What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 115 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Lucas Agan, and joining me, as always, is my now-recovering co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, I hesitate to ask how your weekend was, because I know it wasn't the best, but you survived. I did survive, and I, I still have a voice. Yeah, unfortunately, and, and I hardly ever get sick. Uh, the girls were not feeling well. They were out from school from like midweek and I was like, oh, I'm fine. Then Friday night it hit me and it hit me like a ton of bricks and I was it, it put me down for the count. So basically Saturday I just slept. I've been recovering, drinking my fluids and and just trying to take it easy. So I did a little bit of gaming, but uh, a lot of this this did this did present the opportunity, though, to start uh, My Hero Academia. So I did start that and I've been powering through that and and I'm not going to lie very quickly. And, you know, I watched the first episode of Halo, uh, that series on on Paramount Plus. And and I'm not one. I don't really listen to reviews or whatever. I got to I have to see it for myself. I'll I'll go in with an open mind. And after watching that first episode, I'm not going to lie. And no spoilers or anything like that. I did leave the episode feeling disappointed. Um, I felt like with the budget that they have, the amazing story and source material that is Halo, it felt very underwhelming and and kind of it it didn't sit right with me. I, I it it just. There's a lot of elements that did not sit right with me uh, with the show. Uh, obviously, that's the thing about shows, though. And as they produce them, they're able to shift and pivot. So I'm hoping they do that because right now I'll just kind of like, meh, 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 meh. like I'm not mad that I watched it, but I, you know, I, I for such an epic, you know, for such an epic game and series, come on, man, lay it on me. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> anyway, Lucas, how was your weekend, brother? My weekend was good. I was out at a, a local NBA 2K22 tournament. Yes. Don't worry, I didn't compete because uh, that would have <laughs> been real bad if I tried that. Uh, but it was put on by Complete Gamer, who does uh, a number of events throughout the year and a really good guy. And Las Vegas Inferno was out there. Storm Rush Gaming was out there. Uh, the Nevada Esports Education League was out there. And Critical Care Comics was out there. So it was a really fun event. Uh, the heat was a little... <laughs> not that anyone of us could control it, but it was 90 out there. Uh, so I don't do well with the heat. So I was a little bit warm by the end but it was a really fun time and uh, it's nice to see local events kind of ramp up again and see so many great local organizations come together so that was a lot of fun uh the halo series it'll be interesting to see how that progresses anytime you know they they start saying be prepared for you know our interpretation of the series i think automatically it's it's gonna be a battle with fans uh so we'll, we'll see how that pans out um i'm hoping hoping it turns out well overall though because uh it's been a long time coming to see a full-fledged adaptation of the halo universe on the small screen so we are excited 
I'm excited for the rest of that. But enough about us, because we are joined today by a very, very special guest. You may know her as Janelle Carter, also known as Cuddlecore, who has long been one of the best professional Tekken players. But even saying that, I think the past year has been one heck of a banner year. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe statement from being featured on Forbes 30 under 30 list to being featured on a billboard in Times Square during Black History Month to joining Red Bull Gaming, winning back-to-back ICFC finals. Oh my goodness, the whole episode could just be me going on listing everything that happened (laughs) last year. How are you? Thank you for joining us today. Uh, hi hello hey guys um feeling really good um yeah i mean wow the, the accomplishments i don't think about it sometimes only when like i'm kind of putting myself out there right so hearing them kind of like listed off like this i'm like oh my god that year was crazy like oh, we did all that? but i'm happy and i was glad i got to share it with my community because all of that is is super important being able to uh, sharing that and tell people what I'm up to. And uh, it's like, I, I call it like a documentation of my work, um, but also reminders for those times where it's like, oh man, you know, kind of tired or, oh man, I, I have imposter syndrome or I'm, uh, you know, disappointed in myself or maybe a performance or something like that. Just always remembering like, this is where you are. This is still a great place. And, you know, you know, sometimes we might take an L, but then we we continue forward and we continue to do great work and we learn. So, um, you know, I'm really happy about all the things that went on. Um, also, to kind of speak on you all's point of like adaptations of our favorite series being brought to uh, small screens and big screens, uh, I got just want to say real quick: watched uh, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City, I think it was. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, and uh-huh. it did not do justice to it. It was like a hybrid of like two through Code Veronica, and uh, like like some of the the concepts. I mean, and. Uh, sometimes you got to leave things alone and mm-hmm. sometimes listen to your fans listen to the fans like the sonic movie did yep. uh there can be change but the fans sometimes we know best <laughs> uh so listen to us listen to our opinions so uh great point because uh you know you want to believe in what people are doing with the with the series but sometimes you know you got to kind of be flat out of like just you know uh, you guys got to change some things, but you know, you try and give it a chance. I've given too many Resident Evil movies a chance, so uh, <laughs> I think I'm, I, I'd rather take the games. So yeah. Can can I just say that I watched all the Resident Evil movies for some reason, and for, I, I just kept thinking <laughs> at some point they're going to get it right. <laughs> you know, you hope, you hope. Uh, uh, three, the live action one, the like it's supposed to be three or Nemesis. I was like. I watched it with my boyfriend and, and um, he's like, yeah, you know, let's watch this for movie night. I said, okay. <laughs> so, you know, you know how Nemesis, the build up to the character is supposed yep. to be this whole thing, right? And then we get to the part where he's supposed to say the line. You know the line. That's his thing. <laughs> and then it was the most underwhelming stars. I said, you have to be kidding. I said, I'm done. I can't do this. I said, nah. I, I, I said, I said, I, I was cracking up. He said, what? What is it? I said, no, this is not accurate. This is not funny. He looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I... You know, I'm right there with you, Lucas, because nah, nah. <laughs> it's weird. It's so weird, too, because there's such a I feel like there's such a disconnect when there's these adaptions from video games and they they tend to try to steer clear of the video games. And I feel like that's a huge mistake. It's like, look, dude, like as gamers, I need some sort of fanfare or, or service, but I need these characters to be authentic in a, in a genuine, legit story. Um, and I feel like they, they, they missed the mark 
most times or a lot of times than not. I felt like the the Sonic, you know, like you said, is a great example of of the internet rage actually being justified and then them making the changes to be like, yes, this is a Sonic I can believe in. Not that monstrosity <laughs> that was just straight nightmare fuel, but, but this is Sonic. It's too realistic looking. That's not, you can't do that. You can't realistically <laughs> CG Sonic. That's not, the, that, that's nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but before we get into it, though, let's let's uh, uh, talk about some news topics. I, Lucas, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you kick this one off here uh, because this is huge news. Yeah. So we got news. Uh, finally, just the morning of when we're recording for once news broke before we recorded yes. an episode. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Sony and Nintendo, for uh, being on our timeline, because I know that's that's what you were thinking of. <laughs> but we finally got uh, details on Sony's upgraded PlayStation Plus service. And, I mean, obviously, we, we all knew it was coming, and we finally got some details. There are going to be three different tiers. Uh, essential, Premier, and I forget what the middle one is. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm in my head. Yeah, it's plus essential, plus extra, and plus premium. Uh, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think the, the big thing I'm taking away from this is we're finally just taking uh, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now and just combining it into one service, which it probably should have been to begin with. I always found mm-hmm. that a little bit confusing that they had separated those two things. Uh, I think that the the back catalog obviously is, is going to be appealing. Uh, I think what this isn't yet and was probably unrealistic to think anyway is this isn't a true Game Pass competitor yet. We're not going to get day and date new releases yet uh, that we know of. So it's a good first step. Uh, it's a needed step. Uh, and I think that uh, we'll see this kind of evolve into a true Game Pass uh, alternative as as time goes on but um i think this is a solid first step we needed this yeah and so so breaking it down a little bit the playstation plus essential is essentially what you have now as playstation plus uh there's no changes in price it's 60 dollars uh 60 dollars uh yearly or it is i believe i'm sorry i'm looking at the wrong uh or it's ten dollars a month I'm sorry. So $60 yearly, $10 uh, monthly for that. PlayStation Plus Extra is uh, $100, and that adds in the Now catalog, or at least 400 titles from the Now uh, uh, from the PS Now catalog, as well as uh, PS4 and PS5 games. And then you have the Premium. Now, th- the Premium is the one that that I feel has the the biggest thing here. Uh, it has all the other stuff. It adds an additional 340 games. The big thing to me, though, uh, as far as with this, is that it is going to be available to stream on PC. What that looks like exactly, I don't know. But this, to me, is an incentive now. You are now having Sony tapping into the, the PC market. And you're telling me I can play PlayStation games, uh, these exclusives, on PC? This is 
that is absolutely huge. And I was saying this before. I was like, look, it doesn't make sense uh, to go, or at least for me, because I'm not a PlayStation Now uh, uh, subscriber. I do have PlayStation Plus mainly. I mean, you get the free couple games every uh, uh, monthly. You get uh, a couple games or sometimes extra. Um, however, I don't subscribe to PS Now. I don't really have you know I, I don't have much care to about older games because i'm struggling just to keep up with the newer games so i'm certainly not going to be uh, really really messing around with any of the uh, uh older games at least not for the uh, foreseeable future however this is absolutely huge and, and this to me is the biggest part about about the pc streaming Okay, so now they're exclusives. At least we know that Returnal, Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales, God of War, all that stuff is going to be included uh, on there with this uh, uh, with this premium, uh, along with all the older titles and things like that, right? And now PC, PC people will be able to play some more of these games that they haven't quite released. My thing is, and these are the biggest parts, number one, like you're saying, Game Pass, it Still is not competitive with Game Pass because as of right now, we don't know if they're going to be what they're going to be doing with their exclusive titles. Are they going to be coming out like a month after they come out on PlayStation? Are they going to be, you know, how long is it going to take for it to hit that catalog? It's going to, for me, be whether it's going to be worth it or not. Not only that, but we also have PlayStation, uh, you know, they've been releasing more and more games on uh, PC. So would it make sense to get this um, or would it make sense to just wait for it to release on PC? All about that timing and when the two release is to me what's going to show the value in this. Not only that, but then of course the games and 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 their exclusive have to be. That's the only way I feel it, it becomes a competitive, uh, you know, competitive against Game Pass is the timeliness of when they're able to do this. I, I put together a hypothetical as well and. Essentially, if if this were out now, based off the PlayStation five games that I've purchased, it would have made more sense for me to have the premium. Uh, I would have saved, I think, like twenty dollars as opposed to buying the PlayStation uh, five games that I that I have right now. So, you know, even within that, it may still make more sense for me to upgrade to premium if i already know i'm gonna get these games and for ps5 there they are now 70 dollars, not 60 dollars. you know so 120 a year for the premium or you know i'm already getting my value uh if i have two ps5 games that i had planned on getting so there's a lot to digest here i i, I still feel like we need to see them inner workings though like what does it look like as far as this pc streaming uh that to me is going to be that's the next best you know most important thing but it's nice to at least be able to see some prices on some of this stuff and and uh uh see where they go from there it it's not bad it's not bad yeah not bad at all you know clearly obviously the, the subscription model is is going to be uh the the norm fairly shortly we're already seeing obviously sony and and uh xbox janelle do you do you like this kind of model as a gamer do you think that this benefits um enough gamers to make this a, a worthwhile model to kind of pursue and are you a fan of, of what you're seeing 
Uh, yeah, actually, I'm a huge fan, especially the aspect of uh, being able to stream on PC. Uh, that's huge because a lot of us mm-hmm. kind of made the switch <laughs> to PC, especially during, uh, you know, when COVID started and stuff like that. So um, I'm a big fan. I started with PlayStation. I PlayStation all the way. So um, also having access to all those um, titles, like was it 400? But also I saw PS2 and yes, there's a there's a I think there's. I think there's truly a huge market, especially for like streaming for um for retro I, games. And PS2 is considered retro uh to a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to have access to that, stream those, and and they're all in like one central location, uh, depending on the um uh what is the membership that I have, that's huge. And it's less work. You don't have to use an emulator or any of that. It's all you already have access to it. So I think. I think this is great. Uh, it gives me more incentive to want to get a membership. I used to have one uh, back when I used PS4 all the time. So mm-hmm. um, I'm really excited to, you know, head back into it because of the the titles. So you would go with the would you would say that you would go with the premium? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I'm sitting too. It's like if I'm gonna do it, it, it makes sense then to, to I mean for the being able to stream directly on my my PC alone uh is enough incentive for me to want to be able to do it. Cause I, I use remote play a lot of times. We have uh uh PlayStations in the bedroom and a lot of times I don't, you know, either something's going on or or uh you know somebody's watching TV or something in there and it's like I don't wanna go in, so I'll just play uh in the computer room with remote play. But now they, you know, they smack the big thing on there uh on ps5 and it's kind of annoying so i'm curious to see what their streaming service looks like um this is i mean this is yeah i think there's a lot of incentive here and i i think a lot of people because yeah it's not only it's not only ps2 games but it's also psp games uh, uh plays uh classic playstation games um so and then they're going to be able to build out from there as well so for me, I also feel like this was them being able to make their services more efficient and and just put them together. It's probably something that they've been working on for quite some time because it doesn't make sense to have them as two separate entities. And, you know, you got multiple teams or, or however it looks like. I don't know. I'm, I'm just speculating. But, um, yeah, this is this is huge. Now I just need to see what it looks like exactly. I know, however, uh, for our listeners over in Japan, it is not going to be available for PC streaming day one. That's going to come in an update uh, later down the road. So uh, please keep that in mind too, if that's something that you're, you're looking to do. So yeah, good stuff from uh, PlayStation. Great news. I, I was just talking about this this weekend too. And I was just like, look, these are the things that matter to me. What games come out? And and can I stream it uh, from my PC? The the rest of the stuff I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it's it. Those are the big the big factors for myself personally. So, so wait, can uh, we can we break that Ryan Smith affected Sony's uh, PlayStation Plus plans? Uh, listen, they listened. <laughs> they listened. <laughs> it's a very strategic move by Sto- uh, by by uh, by Sony. I think it's a really good one. Uh, but like like you said, Ryan, yeah, obviously not just PS2 games, but like all of them. <laughs> right. Um right. I just, you know, stayed at PS2 because it's like that's it was iconic. Um right. <laughs> it's like right. the titles, I could name them, go on and on. Some of my favorite series of all time started with that console, including, you know, the tag series from Tekken. But anyway, yes, um, yeah, it's a great strategic move. And finally, 
You must have influenced them. <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, I'm 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 doing the people's work. I'm doing the people's work. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, switching switching gears to a little bit of, uh, um, I definitely saw this coming. Uh, <laughs> so it was. It, it, they have officially announced. Uh, I, I believe this this also broke just today that uh, the. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, surprise, surprise, is going to be delayed until the spring of 2023. Um, I mean, we've talked about this. Shoot, we, we talked about this last year when they were saying it's coming out next year or this year. We were like, come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. <laughs> so this this is not shocking at all. And and I have no issues, especially with such a just I mean, the first one meant so much to so many people. It, it was so good. Um, you can't just then slap something together, especially for a a sequel and or a, a, a direct sequel from the previous game. So I'm fine with them taking the time, making sure that 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 it is in a place that people are gonna enjoy, have that familiarity, work out any kind of. Um, issues or or little little things that they have uh going on and stuff within the the back end um so i'll you know i'm fine with them taking the time and again i mean we've, we've been talking about this for a while too 2022 is a spicy year for game drops so the fact that this just isn't going to add to my backlist i am a-okay with it <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll say this too. Like when the first Breath of the Wild came out, there were a lot of delays, and it turned out, you know, okay. <laughs> I think people yeah. would say so. You know, it, it honestly, if they need more time, take all the time. It, it's it, as a Zelda fan, it's always frustrating, but uh, you want this game to live up, uh, if not surpass the first Breath of the Wild. And we had mentioned this too. You know, as soon as uh, Pokemon said that Scarlet and Violet were dropping this year, it just didn't make sense that these both would come out this fall or winter. Uh, you know, right. why, from Nintendo's perspective, would you drop two of your premiere series uh, within a month or two of each other? So this makes more sense timing wise. Uh, you know, as a Pokemon fan, I'm not going to complain. I still get my two Pokemon games this year and then we can <laughs> kick off next year in the spring with Zelda. Uh, that sounds like a heck of a way to continue some momentum. Uh, Nintendo, you know, that's that is a great uh, kind of lead up. You know, you end the year with Pokemon, you kind of start the next year with Zelda. I mean, you can't think of many better ways to, to uh, build some momentum for the switch and keep that going. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Janelle, do you think as far as with this, not only developmentally, but do you think this could be possibly influenced by a timing of releases? Well, mm I think so, because, you know, you kind of want games to have their time, um, their spotlight, right? You don't want anything to overshadow that. So you want, mm -hmm. I, I really think that's, that's, that's a huge thing. I've also never played Zelda, any of them, by the way. Ooh. Like, none of them. I told you, so, like, super PlayStation, like, all PlayStation. <laughs> and, like, some Sonic games and, like, some Mario games. But, like, I've never been deep into uh, Nintendo or Sega stuff too much. Only, like, recently have I, like, started diving into it a bit more. Mm-hmm. 
So, but yeah, release uh, timing is a huge thing. Yes, because you want all the press, all the media to to surround your release. Um, right. You don't want anything to take away from that. So, I think it's definitely um, a timing thing, and I definitely think releases should all have their own space. <laughs> like, you know, it shouldn't be like, okay, yeah, my game released. Okay, so okay, then this other game just released. Like, no, it's it's a. I think it's a strategic move, and uh, you want all the 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 attention, all the social media buzz around your game. So, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't this shouldn't be shocking uh, to people. And I, I, I feel that way, too. I kind of feel like this might even lean more towards, look, we, we've got the Pokemons coming out in the year. Why? Why would we do that? Let's let's, you know, push it back. Let them get a little more time and uh, fully, you know, get get everything in and, and just polish and do all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm not disappointed. Again, there's so many good games out right now. I don't even know where I would even fit this in. Number one. Number two, I still need to finish the first one. So there's also Ryan, that. Your backlog is massive, I'm sure. I've got one more beast to go and then Ganon. I think it might be a respect thing, too. Uh, you know, just respecting the other like companies, developers, kind of, you know giving each other right. their room to shine and their game time to shine. And I really do think that exists, not to say that healthy competition isn't what they have to, but there is a huge respect. I, I really do think. Yeah. There's, there's something to that. Cause then you start thinking, well, Starfield's supposed to drop in November. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we're assuming Pokemon's probably somewhere in November, where would that even leave breath of the wild? So that, yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. Well, we'll we'll see how it is and and how it plays out. Regardless, we'll be we'll be ready for this to drop next spring. I'm not mad at it, but you guys know now. Don't expect Breath of the Wild two this year. It's coming out next spring. And with that, let's take a quick commercial break. Then we coming back talking all the things with Janelle. We'll be right back, y'all. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to the short messages. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And we could start in a million different places, but I kind of want to start like way back at the beginning. You know, I've heard you talk that that your dad was a big gamer and kind of got you into that world. What was that like? What kind of games were you guys playing together? And how did you kind of arrive at, at Tekken as your fighting game of choice? Um, well... Yeah, my dad was a massive gamer. He he he's more of a casual like he's very casual with it now. Like he'll play for like months and then just stop, right? And then just get back mm. on it months after. Um, but then when he's absorbed in something, he's really absorbed in it. So we just we played a lot of fighting games. That was what we did. We love fighting games. And so uh, he would bring home any title that he just found very intriguing, right? And covers that's what cover art is for. That's what that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to draw you in. Yep. <laughs> and so from PS1 to PS2, those, those titles, um, any titles from that, like, especially for Tekken mm-hmm. um, and any other game, like Ridge Racer, I remember as well, Mortal Kombat, all of that. He uh, he had them. So when I got a little older, you know, still a kid, but, you know, a little older, maybe around six or seven, um, I remember playing a lot of fighting games with him, including Soul Calibur, Tekken, things like that. And honestly, he was just, you know, we were very competitive <laughs> with each other. 
And so whenever I lost, I was just always so angry about it. I was like, you're smashing <laughs> buttons, man. Like, I'm not letting you win this. <laughs> and um, he told me, like, you want to get good? Then go to practice, study, 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 study. That's what he would tell me. And I'm like, mm, being like a little kid, you know, you don't care about that. You want the instant gratification. <laughs> and when he said those things to me, it made me think about, well, maybe I'm not looking that deep in the game. And I, from a very early age, I was looking in practice mode. Of course, it was very simple, like looking at strings, moves, combos, the lists. But it kind of taught me about like work ethic. <laughs> and applying yourself and not taking the easy way out by complaining or just crying and whining about it. So yeah, my dad really helped me with that. But we we shared that. We shared that hobby together and we we grew together that way. I, I, like uh, Our bond did. And I love my dad. I love my dad very, very much. And uh, yeah, Tekken was a really big staple in our house. So and we had other fighting games, but I t- I really loved Tekken, especially when they had tag tag one and tag one. It's like came it like released on console, I think in like September. I remember coming home from school and I remember my dad had the PS2. He bought it new, you know, it was that chunky square box. Yeah. Huge. And oh God, I still remember the sounds of it, but. And and he had the, the, the I think he I think he got like a TV like a new TV I don't know and then had Tekken all that new stuff I said is that the new Tekken he's like yeah I said can I play he's like of course and oh I remember it still being kind of warm outside sort of and I remember just going downstairs and playing with him for hours and the, uh, Tag One has so much charm still um, I think it really made me fall in love with the series like because uh, I already liked it. But like, yeah. it's so like, it still holds up. It still holds up Yep. <laughs> so well. Um, the music, the characters, the stages, everything. Yeah, because of that, I, I have really good memories with it. And I think it's a huge reason why I suck with the game. I do have to know, do you do you remember when the tide started to turn and you started to be able to, to beat your dad? Probably like a couple years after that, maybe like one or two. <laughs> because once you, you know, kind of realize, oh, you know, I'm playing the, the fighting games way more than him. And I'm saying how the CPU was fighting me. You know, you you, you catch on. Mm-hmm. And then when that mm-hmm. started happening, um, you know, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, you can't beat me. Like, it was just really funny. Especially when I bought Tekken 6. I was like 15, maybe. Maybe like 14. I mean, you know, by that point, you have like a concept or understanding of combos and stuff and openings. And my dad was just mm-hmm. playing to play. He didn't understand any of that. So I played him. I, I remember he picked like drag. And I picked like... I forgot what character, probably Lily. And he wasn't winning. Like he played like one game and just stopped because it just was was pointless at that point. Cause uh, you know, I really cared about it as a hobby, but I uh, was starting to understand more of the depths of it. But he always, always supported it. I, I love that. It, it, I'm totally, I was totally a button masher as well. Uh, so I, I, I feel his pain. I still, <laughs> I, and I know, I know about these things and those traps as far as fighting games. I've just never applied myself. I'm like, you know what? I just like to play casually. I'm not trying to get good or anything, but I, I do enjoy people, uh, you know, and watching, watching people play because there's so much, uh, that goes in to the games and understanding different characters and 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 different moves that that will help support you and 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 this and that so it it's always interesting to watch 
let me let me ask you as far as like you know kind of getting into the scene and and starting to do this stuff professionally like what was that transition like when did you realize oh wait a second i can i i can do this just you know professionally yeah so for a while it was just a hobby because like i never imagined i'd be like a pro gamer that was like the last thing on my list but Mm -hmm. it was a huge hobby of mine i made a lot of friends that way and because when I was younger, I was like a like a shy kid, and I was very quiet at times. Kept a lot of like my, my thoughts, my emotions to myself, but you know, was known as like really sweet, but very timid. <laughs> so mm-hmm. something that uh, gave me a lot of confidence to gotta you know put myself out there was, hey, who else plays second? You know, literally talking about it on Facebook, trying to find a Facebook group. I remember mm-hmm. that, and I was like, well, you know. Is there any like uh, locals around here? This was like years ago, but there were people. There were people in the Chicagoland area who played Tekken. Mm-hmm. They had a group. They would meet up. And so, you know, that's honestly how it like, all started for me. But when I realized I wanted to do it professionally, it was after I am um, like pretty much my last, <laughs> my last semester of college. And I remember um, I got invited to participate in E-League and I was a captain of, of a team. But uh, also, I, I had a phen- phenomenal performances there too, um, and it, it put me on the map because I was, uh, you know, like upcoming player, <laughs> and I had never competed on that type of a uh, level and and that type of stage. It was was recorded for live television and aired mm-hmm. live, and I was like. I've never done this. We're on a stage and it was very serious team format. Like I, I had done nothing like that. So I didn't know what to expect, but I had, I had training partners. I was always playing when I had time, um, like every two weeks uh, in college when I could. And um, when I like performed my heart out at this event and really put myself out there, my, my personality, my style, my gameplay, I showed up, I showed out. Like I took out like, the four remaining players on a team before the finals. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's like, you know, being a, you know, I'm a new player. People are seeing that I'm a woman um, as well, you know, cause we're the minority there and it's just, you know, I'm representing myself and I didn't know I could do that because I had never been put in that situation. So it proved kind of to me that I, I could, if I want to do this professionally, I could, if I can take out these people, then I can do this anywhere. I still at the time was thinking about being an illustrator and so that was still my main focus. Graduated, uh, I graduated and that changed <laughs> because as I was putting out my work for, for art, I was still going to tournaments. I was still getting asked, like approached um, in terms mm-hmm. of teams and stuff. So Equinox approached me. Uh, by that point, Joey was already on the team. Joey Fury was already on the team and Dimeback was on the team. Heard a lot of good things that they treated them very well. Uh, so I accepted. And that's like, that was three years ago, about three or four years ago. And that's when my life completely changed. Yeah. You know, being, being a, a professional player, you know, it, it seems like that the, there's a lot of, of it's still intrigue and mystery. It feels, it feels like, you know, different, 
different leagues are still trying to figure out different things. What was important to you about Equinox that, that stood out? Uh, you know, I know you said that you saw that they treated their players well. What else were you looking for? And as you're kind of navigating uh, some, some new uncharted waters there, what has this experience been in the professional world uh, and, and maybe some of the challenges you had to deal with or some surprises that you weren't expecting coming in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with Equinox, it really felt like I was allowed to be human. And I think uh, there's this stigma around pro players always having to be perfect in terms of gameplay, I mean. And of course, we're human and outside of that as well. But I mean, like when we play, like we can we can never make a mistake when we play. We know if we get a, if there's a performance we weren't happy about, well, shame on you. Like, no, like uh, Equinox, the people on Equinox, uh, Emily specifically, she, always just you know no matter what like she always supported us knew that okay yeah maybe we didn't do as well as we wanted but like we got it next time it, it didn't stop her from supporting us it, or anything she always uh tells me she's she's like janelle like i i believe you can do anything and 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 i'm like having a manager that really sees all those things in you and uh that's that encouragement is super important. Um, positive affirmations because they see those things in you. That's what you want from a community. That's what you want from the team that you're on, um, that they want you to be the most authentic, most best version of yourself. Right. Um, but I can say, um, oh, and also the fact that you can be very honest with, uh, with, with the, with Emily, you know, cause that's who I've been pretty much communicating with this entire time on the team for the last three years. <laughs> so um, we're very close for that reason. But if it's something I want to do, I can tell her like, Hey, I'm really interested in doing this. Like, Hey, what do you think about this opportunity? We talk, we have a honest dialogue, um, not just as like close friends, but as like coworkers, I am her, uh, I'm her player and she values me, but she's also my manager. So I have to res- you know, respect her and the brand. And you know, that honest uh, open communication has been very valuable to us. But with the challenges, um, some of the surprises, the fact there's no that, that, that there's no a uh, blueprint to any of this is like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! Like you really are just doing it based on what's how you're putting yourself out there, truthfully, and who you're studying. Right. That's it. A huge surprise to all of this was the fact that you know you you really have to be like hey i exist you have to be your number one fan you have to be like hey i'm amazing hey i'm awesome because the evidence is there right but you also Mm -hmm. can't wait for people to promote you to push your work because i think there's a lot of bias and i think there's a lot of um you know just lack of education when it comes to certain um communities like they don't know about us like fighting game community is niche it's very small <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. compared to like those bigger ones so really putting yourself out there and saying hey you know you're talking esports you're talking this i'm your person or hey i've you know won this or i've got these placements i know what i'm talking about and so really having to be your biggest advocate has been a, a huge surprise but like it's also been like a great surprise because it's taught me like i know my worth because of that i i know you're not going to say nothing about me because I've done all my work. Um, mm-hmm. But I've also learned some of the challenges with it. That when people don't know about uh, this profession, especially in this genre of game, sometimes you really have to kind of, you're like people's first like entry into it. 
because they want to get to know it. But like sometimes you have to be the one to, you know, you're like the, the gateway. So it's all very interesting how I've kind of maneuvered that for sure. Well, and, and, you know, a lot has changed and obviously everybody's been super affected the last two years with everything that's been going on. Um, and, and you had mentioned before, uh, you know, that, that, you know, we're starting to get back into live events and, and, uh, you know, people are, are starting, things are kind of opening back up a little bit. Uh, how was it for you shifting from, you know, going and, and doing a tournament or, or being in person and, and doing this and then to shift to like everything just being strictly online? It was a bit of an adjustment at first. Uh, so there's like two different transitions. So it was going from offline pretty much solely to online. And then mm-hmm. online back to offline, both of I, and I'm still going through that. Like right now, um, it's very difficult. Uh, when, when uh, the pandemic first happened, it was, it was, it was a huge adjustment for me. You, I socialize and a lot of us mm-hmm. socialize at these events. We, a lot of our friends that we've made are in different States. A lot of the time right. we saw them at events and I was going to something like every other month or every month. And so to go from that and for my huge social like resource to just be stripped from me, I was completely just, I was just shocked. I was shocked. I went, I went through a withdrawal of it and it was super difficult. And so kind of like ways that I kind of grew from it was I started to sign up for online tournaments and that took me about mm-hmm. like maybe six months to kind of like get into kind of a get used to the idea of doing it mm-hmm. and then when I started I competed in online tournaments for like a year and did really really good and I improved uh my gameplay improved even during the pandemic because that's what I wanted I got a coach right. during that time and everything um so in one way I did lose a, a sense of socialness but then I gained it again through my confidence through meeting new people that I worked with including my coach um you know co-workers tons of different people that though I met them through online um you know it, it kind of it was another way for me to connect while we were dealing with this now we're going back offline and I get the reward of being able to see all of these wonderful, lovely people in person. Um, but definitely getting adjusted to crowds and things offline has been like, has been a lot. It's definitely been a challenge, but um, you know, you just have to show up and do the more to get back into the swing of things. Just like when I first started going, uh, going to tournaments in the first place. Right. You know, you mentioned uh, your coach. What went in the decision to to bring in a coach now, and uh, just kind of just just overall from from the mental side of things? You know, uh, you, you talked about having positive affirmation being important. You know, learning to be your own biggest fan. There, what? How much work did it take to kind of be ready for that mental side that I don't think a lot of us think about? You know, we just think about. Uh, you know, looking at stats, looking and and getting the technical skills, but not the other side of the equation there. Mm, so do you mean like, uh, how long did it take for me to get like, um, like the mental fortitude of competing? Yeah, that that yeah, I guess that's what I'm asking. And and, and how do, do you think that there's, I guess, more of a focus on that side of things? I think that's something that for a long time, none of us thought about we only thought about you know learning the combos and learning the strategies without thinking about the other side of the coin there oh yeah yeah uh yeah that hmm. yeah so definitely <laughs> i've also was in the same boat where for a while like especially when i started out 
uh, all the way up until um, when I signed with Equinox. We didn't really talk about coaching. <laughs> we, uh, right. It was a, as an official thing, right? Like the same way you'd get like a piano teacher and pay them. Never right. thought about that for anything. I did, did not think about it. You know, we, we kind of envisioned coaching and the coaches I had were like, oh, you know, like training partner, friend. Hey, come up here, you know, mm-hmm. between the game and you tell me what you saw. Like that's usually <laughs> how it would go. Very informal. But that was the person we trusted. Um, but not until recently, uh, like like last year, did the, the concept of coaching really make sense to me and like the fact that like I need to have this as a full like full time thing. Cause I started coaching also last year too. I didn't think I at one point I didn't think I'd be good at it. But then I was like, wait, like I know a lot about this game and I have a different <laughs> way of approaching things. And I don't think I'm much of a teacher as much as I am like a very intuitive player. But I was like, but maybe I can be. So, you know, then I started doing it for Exo Academy. And then by that point, I already had a coach. And um, it made me realize like mentally having somebody who really knows the game on in, uh, in, on a level in a way that I'm not as familiar with, um, kind of open your mind up to those possibilities, really evolves your gameplay. And it... I had, I didn't, I never really even considered it. For years, I never considered it. I didn't have a coach for about, probably like five years, five, six years. This is the first, this is the first time I've ever had a coach for this game. But you, coaching is so important and it should be something where people are paid for their time. Um, you know, if they right. want that, right? Because they're experts and my coach is an expert. Because of him, I, I am very aware of certain things that I wasn't before so the techniques that he's taught me has really evolved my gameplay those aspects of it are very important and but also mental health the types of food that you eat so dietary decisions sleep all of that play a role all that play a role in how you perform and a coach is the icing on the cake because they always make sure you're aware of those things they they they're there to also make sure you're as comfortable as you can be to to perform yeah. And, you know, I think you guys make it an interesting point, too, as far as, uh, well, number one, it's it's we're always learning and there's always an opportunity to learn. You just have to be open uh, to be able to receive that information. And not only that, but now you're taking this new information that you didn't know about before. And now you're able to slide it into stuff that you're already uniquely doing. You know, th- that automatically makes you you better. And But I think more importantly, and, and this kind of not only goes towards like the the coaching aspect, but you as a person. And and I, I feel like a lot of especially uh, younger folk that are getting into streaming, uh, professional uh, uh, esports, things of that. It, it is right now. It's still kind of newer and i feel like a lot of it is still being discovered and defined and i feel like as as a person there's so much you have to be able to adapt to not only for your play style but you as a person and a a brand and then when you're when you're on a team as well you're not only a brand for yourself but you're also representing uh, a team and and a separate brand you know what kind of changes and and I guess lessons have you learned going from, man, I'm really good at this game to, oh man, I'm winning tournaments to, oh, I'm on this team. I'm now, I'm now I'm sponsored by uh Red Bull, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Cause that's, there's just so much in, in I'm imagining in such a little, in such a short period of time, I guess. Oh, so what all that was like uh, in terms of transitioning between all of that? 
Yeah, and just being able to have that adaptability. Yeah, adaptability is huge, um, especially in a space that's constantly changing. So, especially with esports and fighting games, I it was very much so trial and error. I didn't really study anybody else like that in the fighting game community for it. I, I really just kind of did what I felt comfortable with or anything I was interested in doing and had never gotten to do before. I went for it. I, mm-hmm. it. It was something I wanted to do. I wanted to branch out. I did. I honestly, a lot of the time, I, there were people that I studied outside of the fighting game community, uh, influencers that were really just doing the thing and they were making waves doing things for the community and i was like that's awesome that's inspiring and that's something i want to do it'll look different in my space but same concept so seeing them do those things and make such huge impacts in their um in their communities i wanted that too so i was like wow you know they're doing all these multiple different things that they don't fall under just one category or like one job oh mm-hmm. i want to do that <laughs> so that's what i i ended up doing so being on like a Equinox, it wasn't just like, okay, I'm just a player. I never wanted to just be a player. It was a huge part of my job because I like doing it, but I wanted to be able to use my influence for more. And that was always the thing. Adapting in that sense where it's like, okay, cool, I'm playing. But like at some point, I don't want to just play. I want to mm-hmm. be able to be versatile in what I do so that I can you know, help in multiple ways, whether I'm coaching, whether I'm educating people through a panel, um, whether I'm making like content on, on some piece on esports or anything or representing some product that I've used for years because it's helped shape me and mold me in my image for branding, anything like that. But I adapted in that sense by doing it, putting myself out there. Doesn't mean there wasn't rejection at times because, you know, Sometimes they don't need you for the job or the role or, okay, um, it for the territory. Yep. But it's like acknowledging, okay, well, it didn't have, like it didn't work, but there's, there's something else out there for me. And um, a big part of that in adapting was having a CV slash player deck. Something that documents all your work, uh, what you do, top placements, uh, brand activations, like what brands have you worked with, all of that. Uh, what are your, 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 your analytics, all of that stuff. So that when you pitch that to, to companies, they know you're, you know, the big time, <laughs> but you know, as you're doing more of that work, the, the, the list just gets bigger and bigger and the player deck just gets massive. And I have those resources. And because my manager used to work on Echo Fox, she knew all that stuff anyway. So when she made right. her own team, like she was in a really good position because she just, she's, she's so like, um, like savvy to all of it. So smart, great businesswoman, great, uh, entrepreneur. And she passed on that knowledge to me. And um, yeah, so that's really how I adapted. You know, when you, you talk about using your influence to do more, I think one of the things I've, I've always respected is, you know, I know you've worked with like the Thousand Dreams Fund, which uh, we're big fans of that organization. And, and you know, uh, like you said, educating, promoting a lot of good causes there. Do you, did you, when did it, do you get a sense of that? Like, you know, you're starting to transcend, you know, the fighting game space into becoming a role model or, or an inspiration or somebody that people are looking up to and, and going, hey, you know, I want to find out more about what she does because if she can do this, you know, there's there's another kid out there that's like, I want to do that. And like, did, do you feel that kind of responsibility or that kind of weight? Or, and when did that start to sink in if, if, if you do? Um, I don't think I ever really thought about the weight of any of it. I just knew like as I got opportunities, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm making a difference because they saw my work. 
I talk about it on on my social media. People come to me. I but if if I'm gonna do something, I'm going to do it well. That's always been my thing. And um, I also did like community like uh, like charity work with um, with Equinox as well. So that gave me a like an understanding of like okay, so how can we make this event fun and intriguing for the for the entire community or my community while also doing something for a good cause. And so I've I've had experience. I've I've done a lot of them. I've done a lot of like different like uh, fundraising like events. But, you know, when you work with people who do it as well, it gives you a really good idea. So even with that and every other thing that I've done that wasn't just playing, I just want people to know that they can do these things. That's really just the biggest thing is that they can do them. I don't feel like a responsibility or a weight because that's not, that's really, that's not my job really. Right. <laughs> because. I'm just a person, but I'm a person who has big dreams, um, passions. I'm determined as all out. I'm really good at my job. And in a space where it's sometimes kind of hard to find out where you fit, I really, I just, I, I lived, I did it. I did trial and error. I made sure I had a community behind me. And so those things were huge in, in my growth. So I think if people can use me as an example, not just like, you know, I know people look up to me. I know I get that. But I'm just saying, like, I there's no weight on me on, uh, when it comes to that because I'm still growing. I'm still human. And, you know, there's still things I'm trying to figure out about myself. And if I can be that example for people, I think that's amazing. Like, then so be it. I, I want people to know that they can do anything they put their minds to because, you know, my parents taught me the same exact thing, especially in a world that can that can feel isolating and lonely depending on the space that you're in, especially as a black person, as a black woman, it's very like, if you're like one of the only ones, it's, it feels very isolating sometimes. So having a community that has your back is super important as you're journeying, uh, you're on your journey forward in, in certain spaces for, for sure. You know, to, to touch on your parents real quick, because it sounds like they were really cool, uh, really nice and, and really supportive. Did it take any convincing at all? Or were they just on board right from the beginning? They really couldn't say much about it. It was more like they were never like, you can't do it. You can't do this. You went to school for something else. Are you crazy? That conversation never happened. Thank God. Um, because I think if it would have gone another way, I probably would have not done it. But my parents, um, yeah, once I, I told them, like, hey, I'm signed to Equinox now. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And um, but they saw I was doing it like a lot. Right. Because they already knew I, they already knew I, I did it as a hobby because I was going to like, you know, they had a lot of years of like being comfortable with me traveling and stuff because I did it for years <laughs> while I was going to school. And, uh, you know, I was very close by. So uh, what ended up happening was. It had been a few tournaments by then, and I was getting a lot of opportunities in like 2018, 2019. And I said, hey, um, pretty much like in so many words, I was like, I want to do this full time. And my mom's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, my parents just truly, they just want me, wanted me to be, uh, wanted me to be happy. They said, hey, you got the piece of paper, man, from graduating, you know, you right. did all the work. So like, you can do what you want at this point. Like, this is your life. Obviously, you know, they sent me through school and, and everything. And I graduated with amazing grades and a phenomenal senior portfolio. So I did them proud. I, I really did. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is with anything I do, I'm going to crush it because that's who I am. And they taught me those things, but they also said that I have, they taught me that I have a choice. 
I get to determine who I want to be. And, you know, nobody can stop me from doing that. You know, my dad never said, like, well, you're playing video games, huh? You should be, you know, doing something else. Huh? No, like, we bond through that. And and he was, he's proud of me. He's very, very proud of me. My mother is very proud of me, too. They're both proud of me. Sisters are proud of me. You know, they're all proud of me. And um, I, I, I'm literally one of their first experiences with, like, gaming on this kind of level. I love that. I absolutely love that. That is, yeah, that is so nice, especially when you get that kind of encouragement and, and, uh, you're able to just show, I mean, again, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to do. So you are, you are definitely doing, I got to ask real quick. If you weren't playing professional, uh, what do you think you'd be doing? If it was still in the realm of gaming, I would probably end up doing video game reviews, uh, especially of retro games. Some mm-hmm. of people's favorites. I am a critic at heart. I love breaking down and analyzing media pieces, of period pieces, pieces that like are a huge part of like history, whether it's film, shows, or games, anything like that. I really enjoy watching them. I really enjoy analyzing them. I love watching a good movie or a series or a bad one, but like talking about it, breaking it down, watching the guilty pleasure movies, like the ones you know are like kind of like laughably bad but like <laughs> you it's so it's so bad it's good and like, all those kinds of like types of media i i adore them and so if i wasn't doing this i would have been like a content creator highly heavily focused on uh, you know, analyzing my favorite types of media or like breaking down like a sitcom or breaking down my favorite video game series playing through three of the games and talking about it and just you know having dialogues and stuff like I, I, yeah, that would have been the direction I'd go in and probably streaming that stuff as well, too. Yeah. For the record, if you recorded yourself reviewing the Resident Evil movie series, I would watch that in a heartbeat, <laughs> which I kind of <laughs> think you should do this now. Because, <laughs> like, I, oh, I go in, I'm like, what is this? Like, this is, no, like, this is wrong. Like, oh, this is wrong. And, you know, just, but I, the thing is, I'm just, I'm so goofy. Like, a lot of the time I watch, like movies with my boyfriend, who's also very, very supportive, by the way. I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, you've seen him. I talk about him all the time on Twitter. But uh, we, uh, we, we like watching movies together a lot. And a lot of the time I've talked. I talk during the movie. And I'm like, <laughs> this? I'm like what is this? Because like he'll pick the piece or like the, the, the movie. And uh-huh. I, he's a little older than me. So some of those movies I have not seen. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, really? Uh, this is what you chose for us to watch, huh? Like, why did you do that? Why did she go down in the cave if there's something in there? Like, you know, like, and well, like now we're both kind of like on this wave where we just like analyze and break stuff down together. And it's just so funny. I love stuff like that. Like, just super enjoyable. I, I was now, now this has got me curious. Has there been a movie that you're like tearing into that's like secretly one of his favorites that he's like sitting there like heartbroken that you're just on a totally different level on it? <laughs> well, I don't know if he totally like just, you know, would die for the movie, but like it was definitely a movie he liked at a at one point, And it was like the Resident Evil Nemesis live action one. <laughs> and I was like you know he picked it for the movie night and i said you know fine i don't i will i i always go in empty brain you know yeah i have no judgments until we start the movie so as we're like you know watching it and stuff he's like oh man like you know so into it and i said because he's re-watching it and i'm like 
Really? <laughs> that's that's what you got hype over. Okay. So <laughs> that that was it was that movie for for us. You know, all the other ones, usually I'm on the money, but that one was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask one last question for for somebody that that is looking to for this as a career path for themselves. What kind of advice uh, would you lay on them? Hmm. The advice I'd give to people trying to get into this uh, career in this industry, uh, mm-hmm. be, be yourself. Be, I know it's like super like, you know, straightforward, but be authentically you, the genuine you. Uh, people, people support authenticity. I think that's, it's very important. Um, but while you're doing that, like that, it's, it's your brand. It's, it makes up who you are. People don't just show up for five different, you know, five of the same version of a person. People show up for an individual and and what they bring a different flavor a flair that other people might not or like it's just different but um you know your flavor is a special flavor and you should embrace that because other people like that flavor too <laughs> and um but also with your brand and, and you know embracing that not being afraid to put it out there think about what makes your your brand so unique? What makes you you unique? And you can use that as such a huge selling point. I know for me, like I really, I really enjoy um, speaking on my experiences, ways to branch out into different types of uh, positions other than just playing. How you can do that? I love talking about all that. And because I all it took was one speaking opportunity to branch me out to like multiple others. I capitalized on the fact that we were doing stuff online. So I did a lot of speaking opportunities. I learned how to get better at it, conveying my points straight up. Like, you know, this is my point. This is my other point, And this is why. But um, I love speaking. I love public speaking. So because of that, that really just put me in another direction for way more opportunities and way more exposure. So don't be afraid to try new things to expand your brand, as long as it's something that you like. Boom. There it is. Yo, uh, Janelle. Cuddlecore, thank you so much for coming on the show. Please lay it on the people. Where can they find you on the interwebs? What do you got going on the rest of the year? All right. So you can find me on Twitter under cuddle underscore core, on Instagram under TK underscore cuddle, Twitch cuddle underscore core as well. And um, the rest of the year, I'm going to be competing. I'm also, you know, interviews. Interviews are going on as well. Um, Moving. (laughs) <laughs> moving out of my parents' house into a house of my own first time. So really nice. excited about that. Thank yes. you so much. And thank you to my parents for uh, letting me stay here and for supporting my dreams. Um, and just, uh, there's a lot of other things, but, uh, you know, that kind of just, that usually happens as the months go on. Uh, you know, yeah. the things I never expect. <laughs> so a lot of things, but I'm going day by day here. So... <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Sorry. I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? Are you you going to be at Evo this year? Yes, I'll be. I should. uh, Well, the goal is combo breaker CEO and Evo. So what it's looking like, I'm already like registered for two of them, but I'm going to no three of them. I'm I'm registered for no. I'm registered for two of them, but I'm already set in for all three of them. Like I'm going. Right. So that's what it's going to be. That's what we're looking at. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'm going to be at Evo. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, that should be a good time. I'm excited for uh, Evo this year as well. Uh, thank you so much, though, for coming on and just laying it out for us and, and, and just the time that you took. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you all.
Absolutely. All right, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Well, you know what? I completely spaced that last weekend was uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and Kirby. Yep. And so somehow, somehow in all the, the busyness of life, I just like totally spaced and all those games came out. So I'm going to jump into <laughs> one of those. <laughs> I don't know which one yet, and uh, but we'll see. It's cooling off a little bit too, so I can actually go outside and not uh, – feel like I'm melting. What about yourself, Brian? What are you doing? This <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully still, still on the men, but uh, definitely, definitely feeling better. So that's nice. Uh, game wise, probably a lot of the same, still playing scum. Uh, there is a new Kickstarter game that, uh, that uh, just dropped its alpha here last week, late last week. So I'm kind of diving into that. It's still pretty bare bones, but uh, uh I'm, I'm digging through it and the, the potential is definitely there. So nothing set in stone. I'm just going to try to hopefully be able to enjoy this weekend as I was not able to enjoy this past weekend. Uh, so I'm a, I got to make that happen. But thank you guys so much for joining us. Don't forget, hit us up on the tweeters at Land Parties Pod, at Lucas Egan or at Smitty2447. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love you faces.